Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. So last week we did a whole episode around transitions and we covered quite a lot. So we did the different types of transitions, we did the aids for transitions, we did what the judges were looking for when we do them in tests and we looked at kind of how to set them up and make them really good, really accurate transitions for our tests. So there was a lot of kind of information packed into that episode. And I wanted, A, to kind of give you a bit of time to kind of mull it over, try a few things out with your horses. And needless to say, you all have some questions. So I thought it'd be really great to go through a few questions I had off the back of that episode, as well as a few questions I kind of had from Facebook and Instagram as well. So... There are loads of exercises packed into this one. So if you're struggling with your transitions, if you want to know how to make your transitions better, or if you just want to know a few different things to kind of try in your own schooling sessions, then keep on listening. So the first question we had then was from Stacey and she said, Hi Jess, I loved your episode on transitions. It's come at a great time for me as I recently went competing and got fours for all my trot walk transitions with the comments that they were too sudden the judges weren't being harsh in fact I think they were actually quite generous to award me a four for what can only be described as a collapse into a heap from trot transition so my question is how do I go about teaching my horse that I want a smooth like butter transition from trot to walk rather than a collapse and fall into a soggy mess transition and that was from Stacey so firstly description of of your transitions is fantastic um we all obviously aspire to have the smooth like butter transitions rather than the collapse into a soggy mess transitions um so how do we go from soggy to smooth um 
ultimately the problem comes from the fact that your horse takes over a little bit so when we get the smooth transitions our horses hold themselves up a little bit more they stay balanced by themselves because they sit on their hind legs and they almost make this kind of steady progression from trot to a slightly more collected more compressed trot and then into walk compare that then to the really sudden transitions that we see and it probably feels a bit like your horse kind of throws their weight forward and the transition happens really quickly it kind of it kind of reminds me a bit you know when you see like cars crash into walls and crash into fences and things like that and you see the front end comes to a complete stop and the back end comes up that's a little bit like what the sudden transitions look and probably feel like as well so We've got to do three things here. We've got to get your horse doing the transitions in a bit more of a balanced way. And when I say balanced, I mean with their weight more balanced on their hind leg and less on their front end. And we've got to let that transition take a little bit longer to happen so that we have that kind of smooth transition and progression into walk rather than that kind of sudden transition almost from like trot to halt and then back into walk again. And we've got to teach our horses that they perhaps don't know what we're asking for so much. So from a technical aspect, all of this, so getting them to kind of stay listening to us a little bit more, getting the transition to take a bit longer, getting them to stay more balanced, is all really about getting your horses to step a bit more forward and a bit more under in the transition. Luckily, there's a really cool exercise that kind of gets all these three things done quite well. And this exercise is what I call a fake transition. And it's really easy and it's perfect for kind of every level. So if let's say you're starting in trot, you're going to start to apply a lighter version of your walk transition aid. So you're going to sit back, you're going to sit a little deeper into the saddle. You might squeeze a little bit with your inner thighs and you might apply a little light rein if you need to. Once you feel your horse starts to compress, they start to kind of come down into the walk. They shouldn't walk, but they start to kind of compress the trot a little bit. At that point, you're going to release your aids. You're going to put your lower leg on and you're going to ask your horse to go back forward into a really nice working trot again. Now, when your horse does that kind of compression like they're about to go into walk, what they'll be doing is they'll be starting to sit, they'll be starting to bring their hind legs more underneath them. And then as you ride forward, those hind legs are then gonna start to push a little bit more too. To start with, you may feel your horse gets a bit confused. You might find that they go straight into kind of skidding down into a walk straight away. And you have to do quite a lot to kind of get them back into trot as quickly as possible. That is all totally fine and totally normal. As they get more comfortable with the exercise, though, you can start to push the boat out a little bit more. So when you get to the stage where you start to put the aid on and you feel your horse kind of compresses in the trot but doesn't walk, then you can start to push it a little bit. And you can kind of see how kind of collected and how compressed you can get your horse without letting them take that first step of walk. So we're never aiming for a transition all the way through to walk. We never want our horses to actually take any walk steps. Instead, what we end up creating is almost an aid for a middle ground, not the working trot we have at the beginning, but also not a walk either. So in other words, we end up creating an aid for a slightly more compressed, slightly more collected trot, 
whilst also keeping them thinking and focused on you. Now, you might find as you do this that you have to use a little bit of leg alongside your kind of compress collect aid. And that's totally fine. That's really good for kind of keeping the hind leg going. So that's not a problem. As you kind of progress through in your training, though, this exercise will become more established. And we can also then move to kind of looking at it as kind of creating a little bit more of a collected, more engaged trot by adding that little bit more leg in a kind of quickening aid. And it can also be really helpful then as well for helping us to create a really effective half halt as well. So it's a really great exercise, not only for keeping our horses thinking and listening to us and balanced in these trot walk transitions, it's also a really nice starting point for the kind of more advanced work as well. So once you've done a few of these then and your horse is kind of listening to you a little bit more and they're listening to you through that transition from your kind of working trot to your more compressed collected trot, like you're just about to walk kind of feeling, then you can start adding in your usual transitions to walk to. So if your horse skids to a stop, you ride forward back into trot again, you ride a fake transition and then you try for that walk transition again. And it will get your horse not only more in front of your leg and more listening to you and getting those hind legs more underneath them. It's also going to help you to get that really nice smooth transition as well. The only other thing I will add to this is that when you ride your walk transitions from now on, think about them taking a little bit longer to happen. So imagine your transitions to walk take three or four strides. So you're in your working trot. And then your next step is to go into your kind of more collected, more compressed trot and then down into walk rather than just thinking you're going from trot to walk. And if you think about using that kind of new compressed collected trot you've created with your fake transitions and then you use that trot to help you to kind of maintain the control through the transition. So you almost end up riding one transition from working trot to your more collected compressed trot and then another transition from that trot into your walk. And you'll find that being in that kind of more collected, more compressed trot, it will be really easy and really soft down into that walk. So hopefully that's everything. Hopefully that has kind of cleared up that question. The next two I think possibly three um definitely the next two have come from Instagram so I did a question box and asked my followers kind of what questions they had about transitions and we had one from Rochelle that said how is the aid different from halt to walk compared to halt to trot so the best way I can explain this because it's a really great question and It's actually something I don't really get asked about a lot, but I still think it's really important to know about and to think about because it purely comes from the fact that we don't really think about it that much. Um, But the way that I tend to explain it to people is to think about how you, what you kind of actually want your horse to do and how your horse kind of needs to respond differently between this halt to walk and halt to trot transition. So, The best thing I can suggest for this is for you to get yourself on the ground 
and watch horses do good transitions. You can go in YouTube, some kind of prelim novice tests. You can go to a competition venue. You can watch people in training. doesn't really matter. But just go and watch some horses riding transitions from halt to walk and from halt to trot. Because you'll start to see the difference as much as I can kind of explain it. It's a lot easier to kind of see it. And it kind of helps to make it a little bit more real too. But when we think about a transition from halt to walk, it's quite a smooth, kind of steady, kind of horizontal transition. The hind leg has to step through, but it does it quite kind of softly and smoothly. And the propulsion is very much forward into walk. Whereas then if we think about that transition from halt to trot, even if you just watch a horse do it from the ground, you will see, and that's when it's done well, how quickly and how actively those hind legs have to move underneath them to propel themselves into trot. It's a much sharper transition and it requires the horse to go from that kind of halt that has no energy in the pace, because you're standing with all four feet on the ground, to a trot with lots of energy. So you kind of have to go from zero to energy rather than your halt to walk is kind of no energy to like a little bit of energy but if you also watch someone do a bad transition from kind of halt to trot you'll see that they might do like a few walk steps or the horse might kind of fumble their way up into trot and this tends to be where the horse either kind of doesn't step under enough or they do step under, but they don't have enough activity and enough energy to be able to propel themselves up and forward into that trot. Now, another thing I can say is that if you're more of a kind of active person, you're more kinesthetic, you can try just standing still with both feet on the ground. And you can do this for all of those of you that kind of muck out um, whilst listening to these. I want you to do this and just see the reaction that you get from everyone. Um, stand still with both your feet on the ground and then just walk off and then repeat so then go from standing still to running forward and this is going to give you a little bit more of a sense of what those hind legs are needing to do in these two kind of different transitions so now we have an idea of what we are wanting the hind legs to do the aid that we're going to ask for basically just replicates that same feeling so our transition from halt to walk is going to be starting with our leg off and then softly putting the leg on and squeezing with the heel. And then we're going to take it off as soon as the horse takes that first step of walk. In comparison then, for our transition to trot, it's technically the same. So we're still going to put our leg on, we're still going to put it in the same place, we're still going to put it on at the same point. But because this transition requires more energy to be created in that hind leg, and because that energy needs to be propelled up and forward, we're going to use a slightly more intense, slightly stronger squeeze. And because we want more quickness and more activity in that hind leg, it's going to be a little bit shorter and a little bit sharper than our transition to walk. So all in all, then, the aid might be the same because ultimately we're wanting the same thing from the hind leg. We still want it to step under. We still want it to push our horses more forward. But the timing and the intensity and the quickness changes as we want more step under, more push from the hind leg, more quickness, more activity for our kind of trot transition. And so our aid then has to replicate that. The next question then is also an Instagram question. And this was from Tori. 
And it says, how do I stop my horse's head going up when I make a downward transition? So I thought this was a really good one to cover because when we did transition questions before on the podcast, I remember we did one about um, horses hollowing in upward transitions, which happens a lot too so I thought we would cover both bases and we would have a look at horses hollowing in downwards transitions too if you have a horse that hollows in upwards go and check out the last kind of Q&A style um, episode that we did on transitions I'll put a link in the description but with this question then if someone comes to me for a lesson and they want to work on to be fair any issue that they find happens in a transition, in a movement, any problem that they find they have in the movement or in a transition, I always ask them, take out the transition for the second or take out the movement. If you are just trotting around the arena and your horse was connected, was on the bit, was moving forward, everything was perfect, and then it went wrong, you had the problem, they hollowed, their head came up, where would you think this problem would be coming from? And the answer does really depend on the horse, but it is ultimately still just a hollowing issue. Whether you're trotting around the arena, whether you're cantering, whether you're in a transition, whether you're in a leg yield, the same rules still apply. So when we have a problem like this and I can't see the problem, it makes it more difficult. But it then means that what we need to do is if you're in a similar situation, we need to run through a few kind of checks to work out where the problem is coming from. First thing though is to check your preparation into the transition. So is your horse supple and in a really relaxed outline with a really soft even contact in a really good forward rhythm? If it is, this tells me that your horse generally is quite balanced, is quite supple, goes in a nice rhythm. If you don't have these things to start with and really consistent, before we even start looking at the transitions, then there's no point kind of expecting our horses to be in a good outline in transition if we don't have that balance, suppleness and rhythm to begin with when we're just trotting around the arena. So that's our preparation side. Can we get our horses really balanced, really supple, in a really good rhythm, with a really good contact before we do these transitions? Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Then what I want you to do, if this is you and you can do this and you can get that really nice rhythm and balance and suppleness and contact, 
then your job is to ride a few transitions. And I want you to note what changes. Obviously, we know that you're from kind of the question that the outline changes. But if you had a good line to start with, there has to be a reason why the outline has changed. And that's what we need to work out because that's going to tell us how to fix it. So there could be so many reasons, but these tend to be the two that I see the most. The first one is did the rhythm or the tempo change? Now, what this tells us is that our horse, if the rhythm or tempo did change, that our horses have become unbalanced, they might have run onto the forehand or they might have lost impulsion. The next question to ask yourself then is, did you feel your horse tighten or become resistant or tense when you did the transition? And this is going to tell us whether they lost the suppleness and the softness. Once you've worked out kind of which category you fall into and kind of where the problem is coming from, then we can start to be really specific about solving the problem. Now, I am a little bit of a crazy person about getting riders to work out where the problem is coming from first, purely because so much about dressage is about problem solving and kind of unpicking problems and training issues. And if you can get really good at working out where a problem is coming from, you then get really good at really effectively and really quickly solving your training issues because it's a lot easier to, let's say from my perspective, if I have a horse that I have a training issue with and I'm really quick to work out where the problem is coming from, even if I don't have the tools to deal with that, all it takes is for me to message a coach, have a little Google and say, what exercises can I do to improve suppleness in a transition and I will get hundreds of answers if my trainer doesn't reply which they do if I have the other problem and I can't work out where the problem is I then either have to spend days weeks months trying all the options or I have to go for a full 45 minute lesson to try and work out the problem, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And if I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing, I will definitely do that. But it's a really good tool to have in your toolbox, especially if you ride on your own a lot, to be able to really effectively work out where a problem's coming from. And it stops you going down loads of dead end routes of having to kind of try something and have it fail and then try another thing and then have it fail. Now, I kind of want to caveat this a little bit by saying that you do sometimes have to try things out and have it not work and then try again to kind of find the real cause, especially when it's a problem you may not have come across before. So don't be afraid to try it out. Don't be afraid to get things wrong. That's not a problem. And if you do get really stuck, that's the point where it can be really helpful to have a coach come in and help you or equally get a coach involved at the beginning to help you work out where the problem is coming from in the first place. But the kind of key point I'm trying to get across here is that if you do go for a lesson with a coach and you say, my problem is the fact that my horse is hollowing in transitions, they will give you exercises that work and you'll go away and do them and it will work. But then when you come across the same problem on a different horse or equally the same problem again on your own horse, you won't know where that problem came from in the first place you won't know the cause of it you won't know any kind of background or theory about it whereas if you can get your coach to explain to you 
where your problem has come from, what the cause of it was and why you're doing the exercises they're giving you, you then end up building your own skill set and your own knowledge to be able to put all that into the next time you have a problem. And you can then start to build a little bit of knowledge and experience around this until eventually you'll get to a stage where you can fix any problem to do with transitions because you've dealt with all these problems before. So I hope that kind of makes sense because I'm quite kind of passionate and it's why if you come for a lesson with me, I do talk about the theory stuff because it's really important to know the background of why the problem's here and where it's come from so that A, you never end up going down that route again, but also if you have the problem come up again, you can fix it really easily and really well. So now I will I will stop ranting about that and we can now start to talk about solutions. So if you kind of worked out that your problem was coming from a rhythm or a tempo issue, then I want you to start by thinking about the speed of we were in trot, weren't we? So the speed of the trot that you have at the beginning. Is it forward going without running? And that is ultimately the balance that we are aiming for when you feel your horse takes you forward but doesn't run. If you can kind of get to that point, it tells you that firstly your horse is balanced. It also tells you that your horse is listening to you. They're in front of your leg. They're paying attention. They're pushing from the hind leg. Everything kind of clicks into place. If you can't maintain the speed so if you find your horse rushes or comes back and the speed changes ride some transitions within the paces first so practice building your control of pushing the trot forward and bringing the trot back until you have more control over the gears and you'll find it much easier then to be able to maintain the same trot so that's something to go away and practice first if you can maintain the same speed of trot Focus on using your seat then to ride your downwards transitions. And when we use our seat, it means that we don't end up interrupting the balance. So we stay nice and tall. We keep our eye line high and that's going to help us to stay balanced. And then if we're doing downwards transitions, you're going to squeeze your knees, sit back on your bum and try not to interfere too much with the rein because that's going to help our horses to stay balanced on their hind leg ultimately and not get too tight. Now, we want to be aiming for the feeling like your horse is almost like a plane taking off and their hindquarters come down and their shoulders come up. Often what tends to happen in downwards transitions is we end up with the opposite and our horse's shoulders drop down in the transition, which can end up unbalancing them and taking them kind of onto the forehand. A lot of the time, this drop onto the shoulder happens because the rider's upper body tips forward so pay attention to your own upper body in this make sure you're using your seat make sure you're keeping your leg on and that you make sure that that transition is nice and smooth all the way down not too sudden what this is going to do then is it's going to keep our horses really connected into the contact so you should feel like the contact stays quite even the whole way through the transition once you're able to do that, then we can start to make sure that the kind of frame is there. And you should find that because the hind legs keep pushing, the frame stays really good. 
The next solution then is for our kind of losing suppleness cause. And this is quite common because horses often tighten or resist in transitions because we're asking them to ultimately sit a little bit more. So a great way to kind of help with this and teach our horses to stay supple throughout a transition is to ride a spiral. Now, those of you that have listened a few times will know that I love a spiral. So they're really good exercises and they can be really helpful in this situation. So start on a big 20 meter circle in trot, spiral down onto about a 10 to 12 kind of meter circle in the middle. And then you're going to use your inside leg to push your horse back out onto your 20 meter circle. You're going to want to feel like your horse softens to the inside. They step away from your inside leg and they start to move sideways out to your bigger circle. Once you hit that 20 meter circle line, that's the point where you're going to ride your transition to walk. Again, we're going to make sure that we're wanting to use predominantly our seat so we don't interrupt the suppleness through the body. Another option to try is to ride your transitions on a 15 meter or a 10 meter circle as well. Both of these help get your horse more supple by using kind of the lateral bend and the bend around your inside leg that the circle gives you by riding your transitions on it. So you'll find that they will be really helpful. And then once you're able to maintain that on your circles, then you can take it out onto your straight lines. Now, the final question then is, um, we normally only do three, but this was a really important one that kind of popped up um, yesterday. Someone sent it into my inbox and I thought it was a really, really good one for us to talk about. So this one came from Rachel and she said, my trainer always tells me that I shouldn't pull back on the reins when I ride a downwards transition. It does work when I use my seat, but I want to know why it's so bad to use the reins in downwards transitions. So I've added this one in because I can answer this really quickly and really easily. So there's only one thing that happens when we pull back on the reins, and that is that our horse shortens their neck. When this happens, actually that's a lie. There's two things they can do. They can shorten their necks or they can get stronger and try and pull the reins out of our hands. And this is because ultimately, if you have your reins on a certain length and you pull back to the point where the horse isn't able to maintain the frame, they're either going to compress their neck together like a slinky to try and kind of contort their neck into that kind of space you've allowed them with the rein, or they're going to get stronger and try and fight you through it. So if a horse gets stronger and pulls the reins out of your hands, that problem is quite clear. If your horse shortens their neck, it doesn't mean that their body compresses too. That's a really common misconception. A lot of the time I see riders, especially when we start talking about things like collection and getting our horses to compress and sit and so on. The first thing they do is shorten their reins or start pulling back. And this does not compress their body. If anything, it actually gets them to kind of disengage their hind legs and stick their bums out to try and get away from the pressure. And it gets them to shorten their neck. So what we actually end up with is, especially over time, is a really disproportionate horse that ends up with a really short, really compressed, really tight neck and a really long body with a hind leg that's not stepping under. So what we want 
up with kind of when we pull back what we want I don't really know what people want I think what people want when they do it is either for the horse to slow down or for the horse to sit a little bit more but it doesn't happen and so when we get this kind of shortened neck and then them sticking their bum out and then disengaging their hind leg rather than stepping under like we want all these things end up with us essentially ending up with a really disconnected really tight really unsupple horse so all in all if you shorten your reins past a comfortable length for your horse or if you pull back on your reins especially in like big points you will get that shortening of the neck you will get tension and resistance because the horse is going to be shortening their neck to a point that is uncomfortable for them so they're going to get tight they're going to get tense they're going to get resistant you're going to get that kind of disengagement of the hind leg where they kind of stick their bums out and stick their hind legs out. And you're still going up with a really long back. So what do we need to do instead? Because we do need our reins to stop our horses going faster and faster and faster. And this is why we have things like the half halt. It's why we have things like I call a closing hand. All these things are needed as well as getting our horses listening to our seat. So if we can get our horses listening to our seat and we use that squeeze of the knees, sit back on our bums to get our horses to compress, what we can end up with is a horse that can actually compress their body really well, that can sit on their hind leg, that steps that hind leg underneath them whilst maintaining a really supple, really nice frame and outline, which is a big tick. The half halt then is this kind of instant within one or two strides rebalance where we can get our horses to sit take a little bit more weight come a little bit more uphill and that's achieved again predominantly through our seat and then the closing hand and what this closing hand does is it ends up being basically the rein aid that you would use in place of this kind of pulling back that we all want to do as riders and it can be used in a half halt it can be used to collect it can be used if needed in a downward transition but all for no longer than a stride or two because what a closing hand does is it momentarily pauses the forward momentum it brings the hind leg underneath and then when you release that closing hand you then allow that forward momentum to continue And this is why we should only do it for a stride or two, because if you allow it to go on any longer, you're going to end up with the same problems as pulling back. Although the neck may not get any shorter, you'll still be stopping that forward momentum, which is going to stop that hind leg from coming through. And we're going to end up with that hind leg becoming disengaged and sticking out again. So no pulling back, but we can add in this closing hand for a stride or two if needed. So there we have it. We've had four questions all about transitions and hopefully this, as well as our last episode that was a little bit more theory-based, has been helpful in getting everyone to understand why they are so important, how they can benefit us as the rider in terms of developing our own control and our own effectiveness, but also the many 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 benefits that transitions can have for our horses and hopefully you now also know how to ride them and put them into your training too 
Now, if you still feel like you're wanting to learn more about transitions, if this is something you are working on with your horse right now and you're wanting to go really in depth and get your transitions really great in training and in tests, we do now have a masterclass that is now open over on the Decomplicating Dressage website where we have a full hour and a bit long masterclass that we split into two parts along with six exercises to go away and try at home that are going to help guide you along the whole journey from wanting to improve your transitions to getting great transitions every single time at home and then getting them in tests and getting great scores for them in tests too. So if you want to come join us and it's only £8, we've tried to make it as affordable as possible so it's not as intense and long and in-depth as our normal courses, but you're still getting loads of information and loads of knowledge and value, all for just £8. So go and check it out. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.